Hello, listeners. Beyond the Mask, in conjunction with NBC RNA, is pleased to announce that listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how to submit them, go to our website. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Sharon, welcome to the studio again. I know, I love it in the studio, that's, that's right. for sure. Yeah, yeah, and we've got, uh, I think, another great show lined up today. I know, we've been waiting on this guest, too. Everybody, I know, I, everybody's I, so busy. Yes, you know, yes, What's wrong with everybody? It's COVID, everybody's at home, not I doing know. anything, right? I know, well, <laughs> now they're back, so uh, I, I tell you, I if you go down the highway, it certainly looks like it always did. Oh, yeah. People are out and about, you know. I don't know whether that's good or bad, but uh, they're they're out and about. And right they're now, driving so. crazier than they've ever driven, it seems to me. Or was I just not paying attention before? Yeah, you probably weren't knowing you. You're probably putting on your makeup. You're, no, you know, I do doing not. Listen, down the road, I do you know? not go out of the house unless I look like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Your walking pictures in the morning, you do have Five your, o'clock your in on, the morning, right? baby. Yes, I do. With my shower cap on. Uh, yeah, I love the shower cap. That's, that Keeps is my classic. hair from getting freezing. That is classic. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we have with us today Miss Lena Gould. Welcome, Lena. Hi, how are you? I'm so glad to be here today. Yeah, we're glad to have you. It's uh, been a long time coming, but we are so happy to have you on today and all the good work that you've done over the years. And uh, we're going to talk about the, the diversity in nurse anesthesia program and the impact that it's having on the graduate nurse anesthesia programs and the profession as a whole. I think it's a very yeah. important topic and very timely this month as well. So Yes. So, you know, I know most people know you, Lena, but kind of give a little bit of your background because you do have an interesting story, and I'd love for people that don't know your story to hear it. Okay. Well, I am the founder of the Diversity in Nurse Anesthesia Mentorship Program. Uh, It's a a national nonprofit organization, but it actually started out as a poster project. And when I was a nurse anesthesia student in Philadelphia, I did not so, know that. <laughs> I, that is, I did not see. I learned something. I did not yeah, know that. I thought that you knew is this. Awesome. Wait until wait until she calls the name of who got her started. Okay, okay. I'm sorry yeah. for interrupting, but that. Yeah, and and that and that's what I'm leading into right now is that I had great mentors as a nurse anesthetist um, when I was a student as a student, and I think I'm here today because of how two very pioneering um, CRNAs had pushed me. And I didn't even know I had leadership skills. I didn't know that I had something in me that they were trying to get out. 
And they were the first five years was very instrumental in uh, in making me who I am today. And those two uh, CRNAs are Dr. The late Dr. Art Swirling. Uh, uh, he used to be the past president of the Pennsylvania University of Pennsylvania Nurse Anesthesia Program, and he was also responsible for peer assistance mm-hmm. as well for nurse anesthetists across the country. And also another pioneering CRNA who mentored me, uh, Goldie Bragman, ah. um, a past uh, pioneer of the AANA, past president of the AANA, the first and only black CRNA who assumed that position. So I had great mentors um, along the way, but it was after I did a post a project in school and we had a shared curriculum at that time. They no longer have this anymore, but it was Penn LaSalle University, Drexel, Villanova University. We would go to each other's campuses Mm -hmm. and we would have instructors who would teach all the anesthesia content. But in this very large classroom on all the campuses, you you, you see I've seen was um, nurse anesthesia faculty who were all white. I also seen the all the all the classes, and you could just see maybe a few nurse anesthesia students of color in each one. So one of our projects, the our program director told us to do was anything anesthesia related, and and unfortunately I was a I, I had seen a nurse anesthesia student fail out the program, and so I wanted to do minds on diversity in nurse anesthesia. I didn't know where to start, and at that time we didn't even have social media. You know, right. uh, there wasn't that much to go on as far as even searching for something like this. So uh, after I did the project, I, I basically had photos of CR of nurse anesthesia students of color in simulation lab. But there was something else that I needed, and I needed the data. I needed the data from the AANA. I, I didn't know how to go about doing that. So I did ask my program director, you know, what should I do? And he told me to contact someone in, you know, the AANA. I ended up calling the office in Chicago. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea who that person was, but they (laughs) sent me the information. They actually Mm -hmm. sent me the data. And I took that data and I actually polled the nurse anesthesia students in Philadelphia of all the programs that was in that in that area. And basically, they just mirrored each other. They just mirrored each other. So I put that up on the poster, uh, right on the poster. I received an and earned an A for the project, but there was something wrong with that, I think, where it just bothered me. So after one of our classes, Dr. Arts Whirling, he was teaching regional anesthesia. And I had I had told him and about my project, and he told me, he said, why don't you go to the our next AANA annual meeting in Boston. And at that time, I just, I didn't, first of all, I'd never been to a meeting, a national meeting before. I didn't know a soul. So he told me that it sounded like you're doing something that no one else is doing. And even to that extent, I didn't even know. What year was that? What year was that, Lena? Oh, goodness. That, I think that was 2003, Sharon. Okay. Sharon, I think that was 2003 because that was I was still a junior. I was mm-hmm. a junior going into my senior year. Mm-hmm. So I went to the I went to the ANA meeting and that very first meeting. And of course, as a poor nurse anesthesia student, my hotel is like 10 blocks away. Right. So I <laughs> right. went to yeah. the main hotel. But at least we still had the parties where they had food. So you got to eat. That's then. true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But, but wait a minute. The first day, the first day of the ANA meeting, all I remember was walking into the main hotel 
walking into the main hotel and I had, um, there was a long line of CRNAs, nurse anesthesia students. And there was this black woman that was sitting at uh, in this chair in the main lobby. She had a cane next to it, and I didn't know who she was. Mm. And someone, and I finally, and I knew it was CRNAs, nurse anesthesia students, because everyone receives the uh, ID badges, right? Yep. So someone said, "Oh, that's Goldie Bragman." I said, "Well, who is that?" And they said, "Oh, she used to be the past president of the AANA." I said, "She used to be the past president of the AANA." <laughs> like even in class for over almost a year, no one even mentioned her name. So I didn't know. And uh, so I got on. Did they mention any AANA's names? I mean, a lot of schools don't I, even I'll teach about you, AANA. I, I can't read. I can't read. I can't recall. Mm-hmm. A lot of schools don't even teach about the AANA. Right. They don't which, teach that. Wow. So I didn't know. So I, I got online and I just shook her hand and I was so enamored by her. I did go back to after the meeting was over. I did speak with Dr. Art Swirling and told her who, who, my, who I met. But it was at that moment that I knew what my purpose was. Mm-hmm. I knew that well what my purpose was. Now, as a poor nurse anesthesia student, what was I going to do? I don't know. But I was just <laughs> mentoring other nurses of color going into nurse anesthesia and, that, and that's and that's how it started it's diversity is really just about relationship building and can, that's what art uh had, had had taught me and that's what uh miss goldie bragman had taught me too let's back up just a little bit lena because i know i know your real story and i would love if you would share it with our listeners because you have done a fabulous thing with this diversity and anesthesia, but I want people to know Lena and where you came from so that they know that this was a huge leap for you. So uh, you know what I'm alluding to. Tell how you got to nurse anesthesia. Tell your story. Right. So right right after high school, and I'll make it very, very short, right after high school, I was a uh, single mother on welfare. Um, it wasn't until 14 months later, my son was 14 months old, suddenly we were homeless for three months. And it was in the wintertime. And, uh, and it was a snowstorm. And we and I didn't know when I was leaving the apartment complex, if I was going to go either left or right. And something inside me, as I was crying, told me to go right. And so I had my son on my hip and I had his diaper bag on the other opposite side and and a trash bag full of my clothes, too. So I just went to uh, my mother's cousin's house and just knocked on the door and said, can I just stay here for tonight until I find a shelter? And basically, she just said, bring that baby in here. So the very next day. I just went to for three months straight, three months straight, I would just knock on the door from Monday through Friday, go to the uh, housing department so I can get be on the list for subsidized housing. So every day after that at around 9.15, I was just persistent, I I believe. Every day after that, I would stay there for hours at at the library, public library, and I would just sit there take out books for him, my, my son, but also take out books for me. But finally, after the third month, I mean, at the end of the third month, they finally said that you have an apartment. We have an apartment for you. So I was able to move in, thank God. That was in May. And it wasn't until three months later, that's when I enrolled in undergrad school. 
So, you know, just for, you know, by the grace of God, I was able to to do that uh, because I knew education was going to save me. I knew education was going to save me, but I'd wanted to do nursing. I couldn't do nursing at the time because I didn't have a car to go to clinical. Mm. So I, you know, I just became. A, I had a. I was a. My first major was in business. I, I was a, an accounting major. So I ended up working a year as an auditor in New York City on Park Avenue. And after that, I just decided that I cannot do this anymore. <laughs> so I ended up when I went back to school, I went back to school, I got my uh, I went back to school for nursing. And after that, I never looked back ever since. So but it wasn't until my first job as an RN, I was an OR nurse. And that's my exposure to nurse anesthesia, because I didn't even know in nursing school. No one told us about mm-hmm. that. It's like the biggest secret. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell me either. The biggest <laughs> secret. And it wasn't until, you know, for a couple of years, you know, I was in the OR and there were CRNAs. I would hear their stories about how they got in. And they said, you know, you have to go to critical care nurse. But there was there was also somebody there, too, in that OR. There was a chief CRNA. She was a black woman. And there was something about her mm-hmm. that I seen that I've never seen before. You know, first of all, she was nurse Nessus and she was a chief CRNA mm-hmm. at a level one trauma center. That was huge for me. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that's what I needed to see. You've got so to finally, see it to be it, right? Right, right, right. So I was finally able to leave. And then, you know, I left and I went from the OR to telemetry and then I worked in trauma. And then I applied to the nurse anesthesia program at LaSalle University in Philadelphia. And that's where we had the shared curriculum. And that's how yeah. I found out um, about the the racial and the ethnic composition from the AANA, put it all in a poster. And then from there, you know, it went from, like I said, from a poster to a regional effort. Now it's a national nonprofit organization. So, you know, my, my background is, you know, is something that is very humble. It's something that I will never forget during the darkest time in my life. Someone was able to help me. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing right now. I appreciate you, me. you sharing that because I want people to people look at others and think they're golden. Yeah. You know, right. Dr. Lena Gold and right. they just see what what is in front of them now. Yeah. But right. you will make people understand by in my mind, sharing mm-hmm. your story that anything is possible yeah. because right. you you did it. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's possible. So right. that's the piece that I really love about your whole story. So I hope I didn't put you on the spot. But I know you've mm-hmm. shared it before, mm-hmm. but I just wanted our listeners to hear that story. So let's right. jump forward and we've moved past all of that. So we <laughs> want to talk about all of your accomplishments um, since then, which are numerous. And I'm not sure if we've got enough time on the podcast to get all of these uh, all of these accomplishments in. Let's talk about your HRSA grant that you had. Right. Well, it wasn't my uh, HRSA grant. It wasn't the Diversity Nurse Anesthesia Mentorship Program HRSA grant. It was a HRSA grant that the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga, they're the ones that actually wrote for the grant. I was the consultant on that grant. They asked me that back in, I believe it was 2015. And they asked me to be the consultant on this million-dollar grant because they wanted to diversify their nurse anesthesia program. 
I was very excited about that. And included in that budget, we each year for three years in a row, we would have the same, it basically my model of what I've been doing anyway, going to the nurse anesthesia programs on the weekends and having information sessions on Saturday, invite four nurse anesthesia program directors talk about their program, CRNAs of color from different backgrounds, military CRNAs, owners of anesthesia services, newly credentialed CRNAs, all different types of uh, CRNAs, but they were CRNAs of color primarily. And also I had nurse anesthesia students of color too from different nurse anesthesia programs. And, and especially for the student side, the nurses, uh, critical care nurses from across the country, diverse nurses from across the country, you know, some of them are single, some of them are married with children, some of them are single and married with children. So they had to they want to find out about different um, information from different CRNAs, different sources, different nurse anesthesia program directors to find out, you know, what, you know, what best fit them. So I sort of have, you know, my pulse on it, on everything when it comes to diversity, but also the relationship building, because even that next day when we do the simulation lab, what it allowed for everyone to do for those nurses that are interested in nurse anesthesia, now they could write that in their essay. Mm-hmm. when they apply to the nurse anesthesia program. We'll help them with mock interviews. So now when they're sitting across at a school like Duke University or University of Miami, Columbia University, University uh, Samuel Merritt University in, in California, you know, they're able to articulate their 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 reason why they want to become a nurse anesthetist, mm-hmm. anesthetist, their reason why they want to apply to that nurse anesthesia program. So, you know, I'm very, very happy about that. So far, the as a result of everything that we have done, we've done 48 diversity sessions, 45 of them was face to face the past year, mm. because of COVID, we had to have um, zoom content. But very, I'm very happy with the fact that there were 577 nurses of color get into 82 nurse anesthesia programs. That's just a direct result of what we have done. And mm-hmm. also with the extension of pipeline opportunities going into um, HBCU schools of nursing and Hispanic serving institutions, schools of nursing. So myself and maybe 12 to 14 other CRNAs, we would go to the campus and we received the grant from the MBCRNA to just purchase our own anesthesia equipment and take to the schools, take it to the schools of nursing. And, and we'll talk to them about going into anesthesia because from, I was first generation. So I didn't notice in, in nursing school mm-hmm. and uh, half of the half of the nurses that are in, in nursing school of colors are also first generation. So they didn't know. So right. now now we go across the country and we go to these different schools of nursing. Um, we're just planting seeds. That's all we're doing, Sharon. Right. Um, because I think it's important that they see us and they know now they have. They have other uh, career trajectories that they sure. can do, and one of them is an, in nurse anesthesia. So let I'm me, very, very happy about that. Let me ask you a question. Let's go back and talk about when you started your diversity and nurse anesthesia mentorship program. Let's go back to the very beginning and talk okay. about how you set that up so that people can get a clear picture about it. Okay. Well, I was a nurse anesthesia student at LaSalle University. After I had this discussion with uh, Dr. Swirling, 
the nurses, I had asked nurses of color, especially the ones that were just accepted in, in our program for the next cohort, if I can get permission from the program director, if I can contact them, just meet with them a couple months before they start. Mm-hmm. before they start, because that's that's what's crucial. It's the professional socialization of mm-hmm. nurses to, um, going into nurse anesthesia before they start. It's not when they start. It's before they start, because you want to make sure that they have the proper information. So what we did was we, we talked to them about, because they were already accepted, and half of them had children too. Mm-hmm. So we just got into a circle. It was on a Saturday, and we just went to the school, and we just talked to them about uh, the rigors of the program, exactly what they had to do clinically. Um, we talked to them about how to balance family and finances mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So after that a meeting, for some reason, it was all word of mouth at that point, right? So it was more nurses from Philadelphia that was calling me and say, oh, I understand you're giving out information about um, going into nurse anesthesia. Can you share that with me? So so what I would I would do is I would have like nurses that come to my my house and I would have pizza parties. Mm-hmm. Pizza Because <laughs> that was the only thing I could afford, right? Yeah. So and we would just share information. Next thing you know, it was there was nurses outside of Philadelphia. So there was nurses like in New Jersey that was coming over. And then after I graduated, I knew that there was even more nurses. So I asked Betty Walgus. You know Betty Walgus. Oh, from, love um, Betty. I love Betty. Love she's got Betty. an amazing so asked, daughter too. I mean, yes, yes, she's no amazing. shocker there. Yeah, but so um, Betty, I she was the first one that allowed us to come on campus. Ah, uh, because I needed the space, right? Sure you so. Did. I needed the space. I couldn't accommodate everybody that wanted to come over. Now these were nurses from Pennsylvania, New York, Maryland, D.C., and New York mm-hmm. that were coming. So, and I asked uh, Betty Walgus if we could use um, the auditorium, and she she made the arrangements for us to do it. She didn't charge us all of the food, everything uh, for that day for lunch and breakfast, continental breakfast. I paid for it because I was working overtime. And it, and it was free. It was free. I was just giving out information. That's mm-hmm. all I was doing, mm-hmm. giving out information so that they can be become competitive applicants mm-hmm. in the nurse anesthesia program and understand the rigors of the program and also network. With right. So these were just nurses who were interested at this right. time. Okay, the ones that you had before were ones who were already accepted. And then you saw the need for to get people in and of color into nurse anesthesia did i did i get right right? but it wasn't until maybe two or three years later after that this is after i became a crna i finally said well you know it'd be interesting if we had somebody from the aana Mm -hmm. come and speak Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so we asked and i asked put it this way i simply (laughs) we is me she says we is me me. so (laughs) so i went on the aana website and i knew that terry wicks was going to become (laughs) he was coming in as the incoming president. So I simply just went on the website, looked at the, I went on there on the ANA website and see, and seeing his ANA email. And I just uh, emailed him and, and I said, I would really like to invite you to become, come to our meeting that we're going to have. And Art Swirling opened it up for us to have it at Pennsylvania, at Pennsylvania Hospital. So he said, he, he actually responded to not even two hours later and said he would love to come. 
Mm. And that was the very first time wow. I had a, a a president of the AA NACOM. So I was very excited about that. And since then, we've had AA presidents, past presidents, CEOs from the AA come to the event. The executive director of uh, NBCRNA, the executive director of uh, Council of Accreditation, because I want the nurses to know that it's not just about being in that operating room. It's about advocacy, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey Lena. Lena, I've got a question. Uh, so, who told you about nurse anesthesia? Oh, good question. Well, it was when I was right out of right out of nursing school. My first job was as an OR nurse. I was so operating. So you watched, nurse. right? You were an OR nurse, I know. But I mean, who? And I guess really what I'm asking, who who mentored you or said, "Hey, Lena, this is something you ought to do." Was there anybody in those years that was? instrumental in you in you going down the, the nurse anesthesia path? No, just being intrigued by what the nurse anesthetists were doing okay. in the operating room and also seeing a black woman as the chief CRNA. Okay. So that, let me tell that you. That right there. Let, well, let me ask you this. How many of those CRNAs that you watched did you go back and, and cuss out later? Because, you know, I can remember when I was an OR nurse, but I knew I wanted to be a CRNA, but I was watching the CRNAs and I thought, man, that's easy. I can do that. (laughs) And then whenever I got in, I went back to every one of them and I'm like, God, this is hard. (laughs) You didn't tell me it was going to be, you make it look so easy. (laughs) Well, think about it. Nurses in the operating room, they just look, they just think you're a profile pusher. They think it's nothing to it. But I mean, I went and I, Oh my God! Y'all did not tell me it was this hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lena, did did any of those people? I mean, who mentored you? I guess is kind of my question. Well, like I said, that first five years was very. You know, I've been going on what is it, sixteen years now, right? Yeah. So the first five years was very crucial of what I was doing. Basically, the first five years was laying down the foundation mm-hmm. of what I'm doing now because I needed that. I needed that support for myself as a CRNA. So for Arts Whirling to continue to be a mentor to me yeah. while I was in the nurse anesthesia program. And then every AANA meeting, because at that time Goldie Bragman was still coming to the uh, mm-hmm. AANA gotcha. meetings. Gotcha. Right. Yep. So we and I would just sit down and I would just talk to her and and you know, sometimes I if I didn't go to a meeting and I, I seen I would see her and she would be, be with her family and she was like, Where's the regular we're we're having lunch. You you wanna join us? Of course. Mm. Am I gonna say no to Goldie Bradman? No, I'm not gonna say no. No, 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 no. So we would sit there and I would just go, Oh my gosh. But I do remember the first five years there was a, an, another organization, it was uh, it was just it was for black nurse anesthetists. It was just for black nurse anesthetists. So, you know, at those meetings, I would go there as well, you know, and gotcha. I and that's where I met Prudential Worth, Gloria Spires, other other nurses from Atlanta um, who who was there at, um, at the meetings, too. And, you know, for I always look forward going to the A&A meetings because I knew I was going to see more CRNAs that look like me at that at that particular meeting. Yeah. So, um, so I did have mentors along the way. So, but that first five years was very critical because I'll be honest with you, the first five years was difficult too, because a lot of people was not feeling diversity. A lot of, a lot of people, a lot of folks wasn't supporting, uh, supportive of diversity. I believe it was, um, what was it? It was Dennis Bless. uh, Mm -hmm. He he did the diversity task force. Mm -hmm. Right. And we did the summit. 
That's right. And he did mm-hmm. the summit. That and then right. And then they, they, they added that as one of the core values. So, I mean, that was a critical year too, you yeah. know? So, and like I said, a lot of people wasn't supportive of there. And then, and then, then you had those CRNAs that were, and I had to develop relationships with board members too, A&A board members right. also. So that was critical. That yeah. was very critical in, 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 the, in that process. Yeah. I guess because I don't know right off one, it's kind of a two prong approach. One, what what are the stats on you know nurses of color and nurse anesthesia? I think I've heard it before, but I can't remember what it is. And two, um, why? What what are the barriers that keep mm-hmm. them out? So for right now, there's overall there's four million nurses. There's fifty four thousand or fifty five thousand now CRNAs in, in right. the country, right? right? Out of that, as an aggregate, only 11% are CRNAs of color. And if you break it down even further, um, I believe it's like 1.3% black CRNAs, wow. 2.3% Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that low. Is the really? lowest mm-hmm. always across the board for nursing is Native American Indians. I believe they're at 0.7%. Right. right. 0.7%. Wow. So I, I think the barriers, um, like I said, I mean, I was first generation college right. graduate. So right. for many of us, we didn't know. We did just didn't know. A lot of us find out about nurse anesthesia later on in life instead right. of right at right out of gotcha. uh, college and in, 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 in nursing school. A lot of the other barriers too can be um, contribute contribute to, you know, again not having faculty to even encourage you to go into nurse anesthesia. Okay, mm-hmm. that that um, um, also going back to school. And then you're giving up your full-time job. Right. Um, you're giving up a full-time right. salary to go back to school full-time. A lot of a lot of folks can't afford that. You know, the, depending on what school you go to, the tuition can range from Absolutely. thirty to forty thousand to over a mm-hmm. hundred. You know, so you t- you're taking on considerable debt. Yeah. You know, and Absolutely. you already probably took um, considerable debt just in undergrad. Right. You know, so that that financial psych- sacrifice is very hard. Right. Uh, for 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 some people, well, so, especially a first generation. Uh, sure. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, but the major one, the major the major barrier, I'll be honest with you, that's hard to get in sometimes is because the nurse anesthesia programs half not half the programs, but there's a great deal. Um, there's a long list of programs that still accept the GRE ex- exam. Right. And uh, the GRE exam to me, and I'll be honest with you, it's it's a racially biased test. It's mm. a racially biased test. So if you have a program that does not accept the, the GREs, you're going to have more nurse anesthesia students of color, as opposed to if you still have the GREs, you're only going to have a few. Well, a, a lot one. of schools got rid of the GREs during COVID because they could no testing sites were open. Hmm. Right, right. Let's back up now. You gave us the statistics within the nurse anesthesia community. What is it in the nursing community? And I ask that because that's where your pipeline is. Is it the same statistics in the nursing community? So you've just got a problem with pipeline also? Or? Well, overall uh, in nursing, sir? Yes, ma'am. 
Okay. Well, for overall in nursing, for black nurses, I believe there's um, there's they, they represent seventeen percent mm-hmm. of okay. the of the of the nursing workforce. Okay, so um, it's not necessarily a backfill problem. It's just that right. they don't know about nursing well, you know, anesthesia. It, it really makes sense to me, though. I mean, you think about it, and I talk about this all the time. You know, if you've gone to school, you come out with debt, and your first generation. First thing you're thinking about is getting a paycheck. You sure. add a child or a marriage to that, and that's probably all you're thinking about. And I just right. wonder, as you were talking, Lena, now you add the DNP, which is another year, mm, another right. forty, fifty, sixty, maybe a hundred thousand dollars in debt for that just that extra year. Is that another barrier to folks who might not have as much opportunity or might not have family that? can help or sustain them? I mean, does that add another layer of complexity to this? Well, the thing is, uh, that question, I posed something similar to that back, I believe it was 2006 or 2005, when the AACN um, came to the ANA meeting, and that's when they were just talking about converting the master's degree program Mm -hmm. to the doctorate, because my concern was, now you're extending the program, right? Okay, exactly. so so if if if, if there's a few nurse, nurses of color going into nurse anesthesia program, what is it going to be like for a program that's extended? Right, and you still got to take out more money, exactly. You know, for yeah. for for the program itself. So that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. That that that's a definite problem, you know. But I do know that the there are some programs that are, have not converted yet to MSN programs uh, there, you know, and, and for some nurses, that's still, that's still an option for them because they mm-hmm. figure, look, I can go to school for a short amount of time, still become a CRNA mm-hmm. and I don't have to put in all that, you know, effort and for another year uh, right. without having that income and, right. and, and go to nurse anesthesia and I can always go back to school for my doctorate. Right. So, but but guess what? They only got two more years to you know to say that because after that, all the programs are are, are doctorate programs. Right. Right. You know, so it's it's up That's to you. I think year. as nurses, we're consumers, so we gotta, you know, you can you can apply to multiple programs, and then you you start looking at the schools and say, okay, this school costs hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. Do I want to go here? This one costs seventy. Do I want to go here? So you know, it depends on now. Now they have options. Right. They have options. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, of course, me being on the financial side, you know, I look at it and go and, and my daughter is in nursing school and possibly, you know, wants to go to anesthesia school and she's not going to get out in the, the two year time period, unfortunately. So she's definitely looking at doctorate. But, um, right. you, you know, she's weighing the opportunity between mm-hmm. CRNA and, um, you know, being a PA. And like, oh God, uh, we got to talk to her. Well, I mean, you know, she she wants to be a surgical PA. She wants to do something in the OR. Right. But you okay. know, her and I sat and down and talked about it, and I said, "Look, I said, PA schools only additional two years, CRNAs three, and you've got to have, you know, a year of critical, critical care. care experience, mm-hmm. a minimum of a year mm-hmm. critical care. So now you're adding two years on top of that, along with X amount of dollars." What is right. your break even? Now, she'll make more money as a CRNA. Sure. But, you know, we, we had this conversation because in – now, we're blessed and, you know, we can afford to pay for this for her. But it's still 
something that she's got to think about for well, the time period. I think there's a something you're not so factoring in. Mm-hmm. We're just talking financial. I understand, but 88% of nurse anesthetists would choose to be nurse anesthetists Absolutely. again. Yeah. And right. I don't know what it is in the PA population, but I bet it's not that. Well, and she just hasn't made right. up her mind sure. well, you know, what young. she wants to do. But but right. she's seen me work with CRNA. Sarah's a CRNA, and she's been around it pretty much her whole life. So, I mean, there's an interest, right. definite interest, but... You know, I mean, let's say that we couldn't afford to sure. pay for school for her. And you're having these conversations, Lena, like I'm thinking that, you know, you're well, talking about here. You know, it can. Uh, it, it can make a difference. It can make a difference. Well, the thing is, too, you do have other options, too. So you can go the military route. That's, That's why at our, at our sure. diversity CRNA event, we always have someone that that's either graduated idea. from a, a military idea. nurse yeah. anesthesia program or nurse anesthesia student that's already currently enrolled. Okay. So they talk about the financial options about that where they don't have to, um, their tuition is paid for, they get a stipend every month, and they come mm. out with zero debt. Wow. And the only thing they have to do is just commit maybe uh, two to three years in, in, the, in the armed services, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and that's it, right? So- right. So even when, when you're talking to your daughter about PA or nurse anesthesia student, yes, the, the, the uh, CRNAs will make more money, but there's more opportunities as well, right? right? So it's right. not just thinking about going into anesthesia and you're working in a major hospital. I mean, you can go into pain management. You can go, right. you can do regional um, anesthesia. You can do um, specialized in simulation expert. You can do so many other things, OB anesthesia. There's so many different specialties, right? right. right? So, I and I think that's that's what I do. When I'm talking, it's funny, when I'm talking to nurses of color, I talk to them about the opportunities that are out here. I yeah. talk to them about the opportunities that are out here for, for for nurse anesthesia. And especially because sometimes in those spaces you don't see CRNAs of color. And that's and that's what we have to do, um, is to make sure that we give the proper information that's out here and that they they too know that there are other opportunities that doesn't really necessarily exist for them. But um, if we if I give you the information it's up to you to run with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, I think we could talk about this um, all day long. And I mean, you know, this is, you know, obviously you're dealing with one subset of diversity here, but there's a lot of different diversity and equity and inclusion. I mean, that, like you said, in 2013, this really wasn't on the radar. And in the last 10 years or so, it's really been brought to the forefront. It's people like you bringing, making people aware of the Mm -hmm. situation. Because, you know, if you're a, a white, male or a white female you just kind of see that life is good you don't pay attention to that unless someone brings that to your you know to your spear there Mm -hmm. so and i think this is good it's good for us all to talk about and be able to recognize i mean when you said 1.9 percent or something Mm -hmm. is 1.3 1.3 or i mean i mean it's so low (laughs) i was like are you serious i mean yeah. You know, I mean, it just hits home that there's a problem there. There's there's something wrong right. with that. So, right, um, right. But 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 it is about it's about diversity, making sure that you know there's more representation. But it's also an equity issue too, right? right. And I'm talking about workforce in the workforce. Right, you know, right. nurse anesthesia, faculty of color, simulation experts, regional experts. So so those opportunities are 
out there for them, but it's just that we just, we, meaning um, nurse anesthesia, uh, nurse anesthetists of color, need to um, have that information so that we can go to the uh, fellowships um, programs for pain management so that we can become simulation experts and have that extra credential so that we can go to go back to school if we wanted to for a PhD um, right. so that we can do original research. This is something that we definitely need to do. So it's, it, it's a diversity issue and it's all, and it's an equity issue. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up with anything and you, it doesn't sound like you did either. And when right. you don't and Sharon, you know, I mean, I know your background as well. I mean, you know, it's, when you work hard to get to where you are, I, I truthfully think you appreciate it. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, what I've found in my life, that people that didn't grow up that way think that people that did are looking for handouts. And mm-hmm. that's an issue because I think most people aren't looking for handouts, looking for a hand up. And that's, oh, what, I like that. that's what you're doing here is you're giving people a hand up and allowing them to better themselves. And that that is what we need, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. in all parts of our society. But just in, in what you're doing, I think that's exactly the way I see it anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But, well, you know, we, we want to thank you for all the, the good work you do and thank you for being on. But before we let you go, we're going to do this little what we call lightning round, okay? <laughs> and you got to be prepared for this. Um, so we're going to ask you some questions, and you just whatever pops off first is what I want you to answer with, okay? Oh, okay. okay. All right. Okay. When you feel fear, what do you do first? Oh, I just step out on faith. Ah, I oh, like that. I like I that. Like See, that. this is good. I like, I like it. it. Yeah. So what's your favorite word, Lena? Mine is opportunity. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Another good mm-hmm. one. All right. Yep. What's on your nightstand? My cell phone. You know why? Because my cell phone is always on because there are military CRNAs who we mentored that are sometimes out, out of the country. And I will receive either text or a phone call or something like that. And I, I'm, I, you know, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night. And, wow. and they'd say, Lena, can you pray for me? And I said, yes, I'm going to pray uh, for you. Oh, you know, I'll awesome. pray for you. That's so what's your favorite movie? Oh, my goodness. Probably a lot of good movies out of here. Not there lately. Was, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. There, there, there was recently. It was like you know, the Five Bloods. There was uh, a lot of other other movies that you know that that I that I absolutely love. But I mean, I love anything with uh, Denzel Washington in it. Oh God, who doesn't? <laughs> you know, it's if you're right. like me, like if somebody asked me that question, I wouldn't know. Like I can watch a movie literally and I uh-huh. forget about it well, and Sarah but, and I will start watching the same daggone movie again. No, we'll get three quarters of the way through it and we'll go, I think we've seen this. But I think this is I think this is the when you're turning uh, through a channel and you see a movie and you've seen it a dozen times before, but yet you just yeah can't you just got to watch it all I, I just again. Th- that part of my brain just doesn't work like these people who know all this trivia about <laughs> oh movies and stuff Lord. i mean it's not my thing so, so what's your superpower <laughs> lena my superpower is just listening that's a good yeah, one that's it. that is a good one that is just a good one. Too, too many people don't do that these days <laughs> they mm-hmm. want to open the mouth but not listen so, right yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you, um, you know, one one concluding question. It's Black History Month, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
what CRNA was most influential to you as we celebrate Black History Month? Most definitely Goldie Bragman. Yeah. Most we, definitely Goldie Bragman. We, uh, we had like a I missed said, opportunity to interview her. We were yeah. supposed to go to the Hawaii Ooh. nurse anesthetist meeting, and we were going to interview her. And, uh, of course, oh Hawaii meeting right. was stopped and COVID happened. And now yeah. right. Miss Goldie right. is gone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the, I like I said, I was blessed to meet her as a nurse anesthesia student. Mm-hmm. That's great. And every meeting, every meeting that I have gone to for the AANA, I was always uh, had that opportunity whenever she was there to sit down and talk with her, and also develop relationship with her family too. Yeah. So when she passed away, I had to go to Hawaii. I was invited by the family, and I did the eulogy. Oh, wow. I've never done a eulogy in my life. And I'm telling you, I just felt like her presence was there. Mm. And I just spoke from the heart. Yeah. And I just absolutely love that incredible woman. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard, I I eulogize both of my parents. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's hard. That's That's very hard to do. Hard to do. Well, mm-hmm. Lena, thank you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for the, the work that you've done and, and the hard work yeah. that you've put in to get to where you are and influencing so many people out there. And we just really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I appreciate being being on this podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. I think so. Yeah. If you like our podcast or want to know more, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, leave us a message, but only if it's positive. Yeah. Until (laughs) next time. It's a wrap. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. 
Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.